Thank you. Good morning, everyone. First things first, I uh, want to give God some glory because I literally hardly had a voice yesterday and uh, I prayed really hard and I have a voice. Well, it's, it still sounds a little bit weird, but uh, it's kind of doable. But uh, so, yes, thank you, Jesus. He heard the prayers and I can share with you today, which is fab. We all uh, love a good story, don't we? And uh, Jesus was really the master uh, storyteller. He often store, told stories um, in the form of parables. And I'm sure many of you know what a parable is, but it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And what Jesus did was he used kind of earthly scenarios that people could relate to, to really help to open their spiritual eyes, to help them to understand spiritual truths. And he didn't do this as a sort of entertainment exercise, but he actually had a real mission. And his mission was to challenge and to change lives in a revealing the kingdom of God kind of way, something that he's still doing really actively today. But the thing is, the crowds had to really and truly hear his words for them to be impacted by them. Not everyone was open or maybe had the heart posture to really receive um, what they were hearing because hearing and listening are actually two very different things. Now, I have been teaching now for 23 years and there have been plenty of times over those years where I have maybe asked a child to answer a question based on what I have taught them and they look at me like they have no idea because they have heard but they just haven't listened to what I've been teaching. And that actually reminded me of, remember that wee Charlie Brown cartoon? Um, it reminded me of that. If you, if you remember the teacher in the background, the sort of wah, 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 wah noise going on. Um, maybe I sound a bit like that when I'm teaching, but hopefully not. But then there are always kids who are really keen to learn and they really, they listen intently and they absorb what I am teaching them like little sponges. And Jesus says this in Mark 4 verse 9, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now he's just shared some really important things that I don't have time to go into right now with you, but he's challenging his audience here to listen really well so that they can fully hear and grasp the truth and the life that he is trying to communicate. And the present continuous form of the verb listen is used. I'm just trying to make myself sound good there. That's a really fancy way of saying that it's about hearing in the sense of listening really well. Um, hearing and keeping on hearing, it's a continuous practice. And the beautiful thing is that the more we get to know Jesus, the more tuned in we are to recognize his voice. In John 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And the sheep here are representing God's children. And this verse is saying that we can come to recognize and completely trust the voice of our shepherd, the one who feeds and guides and protects us. 
So over the last little while, we have been working our way through one parable in particular about planting seeds in four types of soil. Um, very relatable in Jesus' time because many of those he was speaking to would have been farmers whose actual livelihood depended upon planting seed and producing crops of fruit and vegetables. And I've deliberately focused in on the hearing and listening aspect at the outset because I think that's really key in encouraging the type of soil that we are going to be looking at today. So we read this parable in Matthew 13, verses 18 to 23. And um, for those of you guys who have been here for most of this, you could probably almost recite these verses at this stage, but here we go again. We got it, Johnny? Or I can read it from the Bible. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So the seed that is sown, it's the gospel, it's the word of God. And the soils are the hearts of the people who make a choice about the message that they hear. And the condition of a person's heart um, can be compared with the different kinds of soil that receive the seed. Now we've done recaps so many times. Give me one minute, would you, to do a recap just for anybody who's visiting. I see you've almost got your stopwatch out there, Stephen, to time me. Um, so some of the seed fell on a path. The more people walk on a path, the more compacted the soil becomes. And so the seed that fell on that path, it couldn't sink down into it. And before the seed could even take root, the birds came and snatched it away. And then we have the seed scattered in the rocky places, which would have had very little soil to encourage any degree of growth. Maybe a little bit, but nothing that would have been lasting as the roots couldn't go deep down because they were being blocked by the rocks. So any sign of growth soon withered in the intense heat and died. And then last week, Bruno took us through how other seed fell um, among the thorns. Now the thorns grew up and crowded out the plants. And the thing is that wherever there are weeds, they take over the good plants. Um, as they're strong roots, they use up all the nutrients in the soil. And so the plants are left with nothing and they barely grow at all. So that's where we've got to so far. And this morning, my task is to look at the fourth soil type with you. And I really wish I had this soil type in my back garden because honestly, it is so waterlogged. It is a complete disaster. So Johnny, if we could maybe put up verse 23 again around this good soil. 
But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So we can see that the soil quality is really key in this parable. Jesus said that the same seed produced no crop, some crop, or a really great crop. And the seed, remember, it's representing the word of God. It was the same in every place, but the element that differed was the condition of the soil. And in reality, we are people who are pretty broken and living in a fallen world. And I think that actually we all have areas in our lives which can at times look a bit like these four different types of soil. So in different seasons, we might find that areas of our lives can maybe become trampled upon that had possibly been fruitful at one time. Rocks can appear where maybe we didn't have them previously, and we can find that the wind of life's challenges can blow in the seeds that produce weeds. So I think that really what we're talking about here this morning, it's the need to engage in a lifelong process of allowing the Holy Spirit to cultivate the soil in our hearts, to pick out the things that hinder growth. So with that in mind, and it isn't a competition, what type of soil do you think that you maybe represent where you're at right now? Would you say that you are teachable with a faith-filled heart, resembling pretty good soil? Or can you maybe identify a few rocks or weeds in there? A really good test actually for good heart soil is if there's evidence of spiritual fruit in your life because spiritual fruit is confirmation that God's word has taken root in your heart, which then guides the way you respond and act and behave. And that's evidence of your trust in Jesus and actually his spirit living in you. And we read about these uh, fruits of the spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think in reality, evidence of these fruits, they can kind of fluctuate in our lives depending on our situations. Maybe how connected with Jesus we feel we are at any given time. Um, and even factors like busyness and tiredness. Um, I know that's definitely my biggie. If I'm wrecked, it can really affect my patience levels with my bunch at home. And another um, measure of our soul condition is this. Whatever comes out of here will very much reflect the condition of in here. Because we read in Luke 6, verse 45, out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. If we were to have a think about our words today, are they sometimes critical, judgmental, blasphemous? There's an invitation today for God to really do um, some hard work as we bring ourselves before him this morning. If we have given our lives to Jesus and are therefore little Christs, just to use a C.S. Lewis term there, we really want to keep our soil in good condition, don't we? And on a practical level, this means not planting things in our hearts or our minds 
that might detrimentally affect its quality. Those things we maybe know we shouldn't be watching. Gossiping, letting standards slip when it comes to being honest. Just a few examples. I've heard it said that our hearts can be really fertile ground for whatever is planted there, good or bad. And it really isn't the most comforting thought this morning, sure it isn't, that bad roots will equally go deep and grow just as good roots will. Because instead of good fruit, our lives can sometimes be marked and full of things like worry and fear and frustration. Our hearts can become hardened, and this is something we looked at a couple of weeks ago, um, and there's an issue with this. And the issue is that a hardened heart, it actually minimizes the degree of sunlight and water and nutrients, which all contribute to the abundant fruitful crop that God desires to see outworking in our lives. And it's maybe taking a sec, it's maybe worth taking a second too to say, making good soil might actually feel hard and painful at times. Sometimes the preparation of the soil, it maybe feels like there's little or even no sign of progress or life for a long time. But then suddenly shoots appear and fruitfulness appears, but it's because of the hard unseen work. The really good news today is that in our brokenness, complete with our rocks, our weeds, thorns, whatever, wherever we're at, we can boldly approach the throne of the one who loves us unconditionally and is so full of grace. And the thing is that God in his mercy, he wants nothing more than for us to ask him to come and to ply up the hard places and to replace them with a soft heart that will become a fertile ground for his truth to grow, to really take root and grow. Listen to this promise. This is Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart, which is a pretty awesome promise, isn't it? We read in the New Testament of maybe wicked terms, some pretty unlikely characters who responded to Jesus as he proclaimed the arrival of the kingdom of God. And I think it's fair to say that Jesus was met with a variety of reactions, wasn't he? A pretty mixed response. But I want to think this morning about some characters who became really good soil. And I'm not talking here about the privileged or those who were like seeking places of honor. But it was those described in Luke 8, verse 15, those with an honest and good heart. A few examples for you. The woman with the lifelong issue of blood, a smart and leper, a blind beggar, a tax collector, a widow struggling to make ends meet. And we read of how all of these people, they responded to the gospel and they proved to be really fertile soil for the kingdom. And then we have the disciples who always filled me with hope because they're a bunch of really ordinary, issue-ridden people with pretty obvious doubts and weaknesses. 
But they too appeared to be chosen by Jesus because of these same attributes. It was their honest and good hearts. And when we think about the disciples, we see them ultimately allowing the the seed of God's word to accomplish what it had intended as they follow and as they serve their rabbi Jesus. And it's amazing actually to think about how the seed of the kingdom, it bursts through onto the scene, causing the emergence of the church as they allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through them. So these guys, they really must have learned how to hear God really well to cultivate good heart soil. And we read how they were all in as they were being led and directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit once Jesus had returned to heaven, causing their lives to produce good fruit. And one thing that really stands out for me is how the disciples they appear to respond with obedience. Even when I'm sure things were really challenging and maybe made very little sense, they still remained obedient. And I think that this obedience, it must have flowed from their profound love for and trust in Jesus and the craziness of doing life with him in person and after he returned to his father. So I have a little quote here that I thought was quite cool. Love can grow only if it is rooted in the soil of true obedience. Obedience for those uh, New Testament guys, and it's exactly the same for us today. It's all about trusting God, who he is and what he says as we journey life with him, listening to his voice with him as our compass. And our love for him deepens as we lean into him and it then spills into us loving other people really well. But I want to pause for a wee second here because I I don't want this to be all about us and our own efforts because there's something really important to understand this morning. The good soil is actually only able to persevere and become fertile because of our heavenly father's grace abiding in him to the extent that actually whenever we see fruit in our own lives, it's really a testimony to his power at work within us. John 15 verse 4 says, As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And I think this is the key to not just bearing a little fruit, but abundant fruit. And I felt um, at this point in my talk that God gave me a picture of a really kind of heavy laden apple tree, um, almost bent over with the, the weight of the apples that it produced. Which made me wonder, do you think it's possible to be bursting for us, to be bursting with fruitfulness to this degree as we do kingdom life? Well, apparently, Jesus thinks so. I found uh, this little quote from Terry Virgo. Scholars say that a good yield in those days was 10%. So it would have been dramatic when Jesus said 30%, 60%, or 100%. He's talking about dramatic, phenomenal fruitfulness. Some argue that this is the whole point 
of the parable that Jesus is promising something awesome in its growth potential. So let's never underestimate what God can actually do. And in their uniqueness, the characters that I mentioned and the disciples, they would have heard and experienced God's presence um, and direction and leading differently um, in their diversity. And it's a little bit like us. Um, Similarly, we all hear God in different ways, depending on how we have been wired as individuals in his creativity. So maybe for some of us here, um, getting close to nature is the way that we tune in and hear God's voice. And for others, maybe it looks like writing, worship, um, spending time in prayer, painting. Ultimately, there's no limit to the ways in which we can hear God speak to us. Um, one of my favorites is actually that we talk in donkey, you know, in Numbers 22, he tells off his owner Balaam. Um, for being cruel to him. So I think Balaam must in those moments have completely thought he was losing it. So we've established the place that God's grace plays in all this, but ultimately we still have a part to play. We still have a responsibility, don't we? Because we need to water and fertilize our hearts to help to cultivate good soil. So I just want to spend the last couple of minutes talking about different ways that we can maybe um, hear from and connect with God. Personally, I find that God can speak in a number of different ways to me, um, depending maybe on the, the circumstances or the situation that I'm in. My dreams wouldn't be my kind of primary way that God would speak to me, but sometimes he would give me dreams and depending on what they're about, I sometimes pray into them or um, on occasions maybe share them if I feel that that's what I need to do. And it was quite interesting, actually. Um, one of my kids recently um, just piped up about a dream that they had had that they felt that God gave them. So I thought I'd share it with you guys this morning. So their dream was this. They were in our house and heard noises on the roof and went outside to see Bibles falling from the sky and all these people running to pick up the Bibles from everywhere. And uh, then they were all in a line waiting to talk to a man who was explaining things to them. So it uh, sounds pretty much like Jesus to me. And then they were able to explain what they felt God was saying to them through that dream. At times, God maybe gives me a sense of something up ahead to pray into that his kingdom will come, that his will will be done in the way that he has shown me. And um, you can maybe use the term word of knowledge for that. And it's not that I get it right 100% of the time. We really need to kind of weigh and test all this stuff. Or he really quite often would put somebody on my heart, maybe their face into my mind, and I just know that he's asking me to get in touch with them because there's something going on and God and his all-knowing love wants me to kind of draw alongside them to bring something of his heart and comfort. And I just want to encourage you guys here today, actually around this in particular, if you have that sense, if you have that thought, just go for it. Because um, I think that people really discount this as just being their own thoughts 
when God really does speak to all of us at times in this way. And the more you act upon these thoughts, the more you'll come to recognize God's prompting in this way. And you know what? If you make a mistake and if they're fine, that's okay. Because we all learn from our mistakes and uh, just press into the next one. This is not about having everything perfect. In fact, it's, it's healthy. And one of the times it really stands out for me, just in this context of God putting somebody in my heart, is whenever I phoned a friend and it turned out that they were actually miscarrying in those moments. So it can be a really important thing to actually act upon. I think that pictures are probably my primary way that God speaks to me. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Have you got the picture of my purse, Johnny? There we go. I took a picture of this for my work colleague who was praying into this situation that I will outline for you. So um, a few weeks ago, I had been out shopping with my girls and arrived home and my purse was nowhere to be seen. And we hunted in the car. We hunted all the shopping bags. I phoned Rushmere. Nothing had been handed in. And it was really, really doing my head in because I distinctly remembered having it whenever I was walking to the car. So I really was at a loss of what to do, had no idea, couldn't really do much. Um, recruited the man in our house who always finds everything that we have lost. And you can just imagine, can't you, his cocky wee face when he comes in with the lost item. But even on this occasion, he could not actually locate this either. Um, so I went to work the next day and it was kind of playing on my mind. I'd put a hold on my cards and stuff, but I was like, oh, I had this, where is this? And um, so then I drove home and I was in the car, hunted again in the car, complete waste of time because I had turned it upside down the night before. It was not there. And in my frustration, I actually just said to God out loud, um, Lord, I don't think I've lost this and you know where this is. So please show me where this is. And uh, put the key in the lock of our house, went in, and I had lots of stuff in my hand, and something dropped as I went in. And uh, in that second, I got the clearest picture in my head of my purse under our whole cabinet. Maybe we have kind of a big, long whole cabinet as you walk in. And uh, had this really clear thought in my head, whenever you bend down to pick up whatever you've dropped, have a look under there, and that's where it is. I did, and that's exactly where it was. So uh, thank you, Jesus. That saved so much hassle. And uh, I re he really did answer my prayer, because literally a minute before that, I said, Lord, you need to show me where this thing is. So uh, yeah, there we go. But I think when we're talking about hearing from God, he can speak to us lots of ways, but... This is my huge Bible because it's one of those ones that you can kind of write lots of notes in and around the, the actual verses. This is the main way in which I hear from God as I read his word. And as you can see, it's a bit kind of battered and it's been sellotaped a few times to try to keep it together. Life can be really tough, can't it? It can present us with all sorts of challenges living in a broken world. And in my own life, I have faced plenty of tough times. Times where it's kind of felt like the rug has literally been pulled out from under my feet. Um, crazy uncertainties that have been thrown my way when life was just ticking over quite nicely. 
and some really unexpected and tough things faced by me, my wee family, which have really broke my heart. Um, I recently had coffee with a friend who had played a really significant part in my life whenever the kids were really little. And our paths hadn't crossed for lots of years. So um, it was like a mega catch-up time. And uh, at the end of hearing my journey of almost the last decade it would have been, the rough and the smooth, she turned around and said, Debbie, I'm kind of wondering, how are you actually still standing? And my response was, in all honesty, I'm not quite sure where I would be if I hadn't had Jesus' presence with me every step of the way. Because through his word, I find direction, I find comfort, I find guidance, and I find encouragement when I desperately need it. And it never fails to blow me away with the depth of revelation of my heavenly dad who unconditionally loves and understands and holds all things together, inviting me to draw close to him. There are so many incredible verses that have kept me going. I'm going to fire out just a couple of them. Philippians 4, verse 7, And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm 139, where David declares, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. Um, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. 1 Peter 5 verse 7, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. I could literally have filled up this entire morning just with my, fa my favorite Bible verses. Now, for those of you guys who are involved in Life Group, um, I hope that you have been enjoying our Lectio Divina um, as much as I have. So basically, for those who are not sure, it's the practice of reading a passage and then rereading it several times and interspersed with prayer and moments of silence. And it's such an effective way to invite the one who inspired every word to speak to us in new ways. And there may be passages that we're actually really familiar with. And as Phil Emerson says in his morning devotions, what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? And I think that's a real challenge for all of us to get out of reading or maybe rushing through a Bible passage as a, a, almost a bit of a kind of tick exercise to make us feel better about the day in some sort of a religious exercise or duty kind of way. I am currently reading this book. Um, which is called Sarah. And it's a story of a woman who is bound by many layers of trauma, um, whom Jesus powerfully and wholly sets free. It's, it's a really dynamic testimony of God's healing. Um, but I would love to read just a little tiny bit to you from the perspective of one of the counselors involved in ministering to her. And uh, it's around how central the word was in her journey. Sarah's story now stands as a dynamic testimony to the fact that God can and does heal. There's no doubting that without the plumb line of God's living word practically applied and lived out, we would not have been able to help Sarah in the way we did. 
Undeniably, there was something beyond and above our own human effort and gifting at work in Sarah's life. This something was a relationship, the one which she steadfastly clung to in the person of Jesus Christ. As scripture was unveiled and applied, there were times without number that gems of essential truths fell from its pages. Scripture came alive with directions of hope, love, and purpose. Most crucially, it led the way to Sarah's freedom. As I continue life and this journey with my heavenly dad, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would really help me to more effectively tune in to really listen and to really understand as we walk and talk together. Life uh, can be pretty full on for most of us. And uh, I think that that verse, um, Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God, is really key, not just to have up here, but to actually do. So to ride up here, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I believe that our hearts are to steward his presence well, to play our part, just like the disciples did, in seeing his kingdom come uh, as we do life, to pursue and live out the plans that he has for us to bring his kingdom. And I hope that we understand together a little bit better now that alongside his grace, there needs to be intentional effort on our part to cultivate good soil. And I've really felt challenged as I put this together, that for all of this, this could actually look like something much greater than we may dare dream or imagine. Here's a little quote for you. I knew God wanted to do much more, and he would, if we provided good soil in which he could work. I'll finish with this. When I was young, I used to visit um, friends of the family, you know, the kind of uncles and aunts who are uncles and aunts, one of those ones. Um, and I was there lots and lots of times during the year and uh, zoomed out quite a few times with the adult conversation. And they had this plaque on the wall. I shared this years ago, actually, when church first started. Um, they had this plaque on the wall that I read and reread and reread over many years. And it's really, really simple. Um, but I think it beautifully depicts how we can do this, how we can cultivate good soil for his kingdom through ongoing relationship with him, talking and listening hand in hand. It said this, I tell him all my worries. I tell him all my joys. I tell him all that pleases. I tell him what annoys. He tells me what I ought to do. He tells me what to try. And so we walk together my Lord and I. And I remember all those years ago as a really small child, I remember feeling a real sense of peace as I thought about those words. In my childish innocence, bearing in mind that we're all called to come to Jesus with childlike faith, I got that I would never be alone, that Jesus would always be with me, looking after me and guiding my steps. A daily process where I would hopefully reflect him a little bit more each day. I think Billy Graham put it nicely. Being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It's a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ.
So at this stage, Catherine, if you and the band would like to come up, um, I, I just feel that God's put in my heart a couple of uh, ways that maybe some people um, need to respond this morning. Um, so the first thing I felt is that there are some here, and it would be really helpful for you to come up for some prayer around wisdom to help to identify some rocks and weeds and thorns that you kind of recognize are there and are affecting the soil quality of your heart. And for others, I feel that as I've been speaking this morning, you have identified maybe a particular hole such as fear that you really battle with and you would like um, to really press in to some freedom around that. And for others, I get a sense that it's actually quite significant and important this morning for you to almost give God permission to ask him to start to speak to you in ways you maybe haven't experienced him before, should it be dreams or pictures or whatever, because it actually says eagerly or earnestly desire the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. We all need peace and security as we uh, go through this world. And uh, if anyone is here today who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't have this sense of being loved unconditionally and uh, the whole concept of the God who made you and loves you and created you talking to you is just mind-blowing, we would love to pray with you today as well.